This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast, where, unfortunately, we're going to have to reflect on a, a bit of a disappointing defeat uh, for Everton against Brighton. I'm your host, Adam Jones, today, and I'm joined by Sam Carroll, Gav Buckland, and Dave Prentice. Uh, and we'll just get right into it. Sam? We're going to chew the fat. No, Phil's at home just chewing his chewing the fat by himself. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, you you were at the Amex for us. Unfortunately, what happened? VAR, VAR happened. Uh, I think yeah, I said earlier that it wasn't a, a brilliant performance by any means, but it was a performance that deserved to win that game. Uh, to be honest, I thought I thought Brighton were terrible. Uh, you know, I, I think they'll probably end up fighting against relegation this season. It's a bit of a bit of a worry now that we've been beaten by them. We've we've been beaten by Burnley, <coughs> who, you know, two of the worst Premier League teams I've I've seen in a long time. And, you know, it wasn't a great performance, but we we'd got ourselves over the line and I was kind of saying on the drive back with Phil that the, the Calvert Lewin goal kind of was set to exercise kind of seven several demons all all in one go. You know, we it would have been the first time we'd came from behind to win a game, the first away away win uh, since March Calvert Lewin scored and again you know, two wins and two from Silver, you know, in what was kind of, is, is still shaping up to be a key period. And, you know, Holgate kind of, spoke to Mason Holgate after the game and, and he said to himself, you know, that the third goal was criminal, wasn't it? That the, the, the third goal was unacceptable to concede home or away in the dying embers of a game. But that, that completely changes the mood. You know, they've done well to silence the crowd. You know, Everton were on top. They were probably having one of the best spells of the game. And then, that decision, which I'm, I'm sure we're going to come on, just just change it changed everything. It changed the momentum. You know, Brighton were up for it. They seemingly got you know a little bit more in the tank. A couple of Everton players, Sadibi, in particular, looked looked knackered in, in those last ten minutes, and it all just kind of everything just went for them, didn't it? So it was just so difficult to take. And, and as I've said a couple of times, I think that's probably one of the most gutted I've been in Everton game in years. Like it, it genuinely did just feel like someone had just volleyed me in the in the stomach when that final goal went in because you know Dean as well had played like a man possessed I think as Phil put it for most of the game and, and definitely didn't deserve uh, you know captain the team as well to to kind of give them the the victory in in, in that kind of cruel manner so you know just a, a such a disappointing and horrible day on on so many levels and I think we're quite fortunate really to to get back in action tomorrow because I don't think any of us want to kind of stew on that for for longer than than we have to and. Yeah, we have to win tomorrow now. Mm. So go on, Gab. We've got to talk about VAR, oh. really, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, that that decision did change the momentum of the game. Uh, what What are your thoughts on it? It wasn't a penalty, was it? I'm not even yeah. sure whether the rules are applied in terms of you've got this filter, don't you? Clear an obvious error first before you you know you go to VAR, and to me, it wasn't a clear and obvious error. It was something that was something and awesome that probably happens five, ten times a game. Um, it was clumsy by Keane to be fair I mean he's never at his best Michael when he's sort of turned on his side or on towards his own goal and he, he was a little bit so he was a little bit clumsy but it was the referee seen it the referee was in a great position he seen what happened the ball was nowhere near the players it was just the coming together wasn't it um, and but it shouldn't have got anywhere near VR and as far as I'm concerned and then once it done done that I mean, if the stories are true, that you know, f- took fourteen views to look at it, whatever. 
Well, only shows that it wasn't a clear enough error then, doesn't it? Really, and that yeah. uh, it shouldn't have been, shouldn't have even been the fairs, and and that that's the golden thing for me. At a, as Sam was saying, at a, a crucial time, you know, in the game, we just gone ahead, two consecutive wins there on a plate for us, and it just changed the mood of the the game and the team completely. Mm. The, the thing that worries me is like VAR. What's it stand for? Video assistant referee. Mm. It's there to assist the referee. Yeah. Yet it isn't. It's actually taken over and it's taking control of the game. Yeah. It's effectively the games are being refereed by proxy from somewhere else, somebody who's not in the stadium that can't appreciate the context of you know the situation or of you know particular incidents. Um, it, it's just we got the balance horribly wrong. The whole system is flawed. I, I was so in favour of it when it was introduced. And it does work very well in some instances. You know, we hate the fact that, you know, goals are given offside because, some, you know, three millimetres of somebody's shoulder is in an offside position, but it's accurate, it works. Yeah. Yet using it for every little, you know, sort of nut and bolt that happens in a penalty area is incorrect. The thing that really, really wound me up, and I did, like you, uh, Sam, I felt so angry initially and then very disillusioned, you know, so with yeah. the way the game is going on Saturday night. Because, you know, Sam spoke to Premier League officials the following day and uh, gave the impression that because there was contact, they felt that the penalty probably was a just award. And yet the Richarlison one, 15 minutes earlier, that wasn't given, well, there probably wasn't enough in that. And I just don't can't get my head around that at all. One is an innocuous accident, clearly an accident, and yet that is a penalty. The other is clearly a conscious decision to impede, you know, a player and prevent a player gaining an advantage. That's not a penalty. How does that work? I mean, the, the, the Premier League has to look at this, you know, VAR use. Because I still think technology can be introduced for the good of the game, but they've got to use it differently. Uh, if it takes longer for a referee to go over to the touchline and look at a monitor and, you know, so reassess his decision, so be it. But be prepared to wait for it. I'm led to believe that's how it operates in other leagues in Europe. And we don't seem to have the same outcry there, you know, against their use of VAR. We're just using it badly in this country. And typically, you know, so Everton are the team that seems to have suffered most this weekend. I know Arsenal were robbed of a couple of points as well, but you know Everton have also suffered badly this weekend, and a club that's basically you know so struggling for confidence and struggling for results at the moment doesn't need something like that. Um, no, I, I just hate the, hated the whole thing that weekend. It was horrible. Yeah, but it's there to you. Just to me, you just got one level of subjectivity and replaced it with a second level of subjectivity, haven't you? Really, yeah. and and that's that's you know that's not adding any value at all, is it? It's just it's just just muddying the waters um, completely. And I, I just think for that reason, it's not working for me. For offside, but there's what they scored an offside goal, didn't they, for AR? I think so, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. didn't give, you know, but so that's what it's there for. But it's not there for those type of incidents. And, you know, there was, you had you referenced um, Dermot Gallagher was on Sky this morning, wasn't he, talking about it? And he said, well, they had to give it because they, they felt that the, the decision not to give the... David Silver. At... Uh, Bournemouth wasn't it was not given and they realised that was an error but the two things are completely different at Bournemouth the fella like, is literally standing what, a yard from the ball isn't he and goes for the ball and gets this is it's Aguero's foot I think it was Aguero was it gets his foot it's literally right in front of him so the player could see what was happening and it was a bad decision by VAR but that doesn't necessarily mean every time somebody stands on somebody's foot in the penalty area going forward that you've got to uh, give a penalty, and that was what they, that was the attitude of uh, McGallagher today, and that, that's wrong, completely, and because um, there's always going to be coming together like that in the game, and the ball was nowhere near him as well, and it was just, it was just that, that horrible inconsistency again. 
you know, and it, it's, it's important that we're talking about it as well because it sounds yeah. like you're making excuses now, no. you know, so for Marco Silva and a lot more went on at the weekend, you yeah. know, which is inexcusable, really. You know, there's so much lacking in resilience and in character in that squad of players. And we've talking, talked about it before, you know, inabilities to come from behind, you know, so to, to win a game. Yet he had addressed that. They had come from behind and they were winning. So we need to discuss it because that has contributed to the result in the end. So you can criticise, you know, so Marco Silva for leaving Sidibe on the pitch, maybe. You know, he was clearly, you know, so struggling for, as you said, like knackered in the last 10 minutes or so. And, you know, ironically, the goal came down. Or not ironically, the goal actually came, you know, so down his yeah, flank. position, wasn't he? It was, yeah. You know, so there were mistakes that he made. But equally, Everson would have been 2-1 up and in a really strong position, but for a mistake by somebody else in a porter cabin somewhere in London and it's just it's so frustrating yeah, d- sorry Sans. sorry I was just going to say after the game as well I, I've never seen a kind of atmosphere of the players kind of le- leaving as well like uh, Richarlison looked, looked kind of uh, on the verge of tears and told me Tom Davis was Tom Davis well, was Tom he? Davis was fuming uh, Pickford you know even as he was kind of walking out to get on the bus was kind of still muttering kind of under his breath uh, you know, it, which you can only assume would, would have been about that kind of decision and the way the game had uh, had panned out. So I just think it's so so. You know, Phil made the point, didn't he? That you know, on the, on the outsides of of Goodison, where we have you know the first club to to do, do things and and kind of milestones. Now we also have the fact that with the we were the first team to have a player retrospectively banned yeah. for Darwin. Yeah, yeah, I haven't yeah. seen that happen. I think it's happened it's one time once. Once. Yeah, since. Yeah. Yeah. We're the first team to have a penalty overturned for a subjective incident, not a, a clear handball. He hasn't clearly whipped anyone up. It's it, yeah. uh, the, almost the whole of the of the football and kind of you know the people on social media and stuff who, who have their say. Everyone, whoever they support, you know, even it, Reds and Blues have kind of came together to to even say it, it's not. It's not a penalty, and I think even if Everton had got given that penalty, you would still be massively concerned of what direction Premier League football is going. Even, even the Brighton and Hove Albion media, if and, that is what it's like. Yeah, and Andy Naylor from the Brighton August made exactly that point as well. He said, "Okay, we, we need we need the good fortune, and we'll take all the good fortune that's coming." Yeah. But if that's the direction that football is going in, the game is gone because that was never a penalty. Well, Glenn and Murray, that is it. That was a buyer. Yeah. Glenn Murray, of Glenn course, Murray called, yeah. court said uh, VAR's getting uh, close to farcical. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. He, he, he fully admitted that. Well, he, no, he hadn't seen a replay or anything like that. But he, he was saying, "Look, the players." The players hate it. Like they surround the ref, but like the refs, like the ref on the pitch can't really say much about. It's an about easy guess out for the ref on the pitch, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. not yeah. me. It's he, not he's, me. He's getting yeah. just about as much information yeah. as the rest of us. Yeah. yeah, and I think it's. I mean, I think um, there was four penalties given by VAR this weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, which has been none in the first nine games, and you know, again, Dan McAllister was saying um, today that. There's been no none of this bar shifting. That is just a natural thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Yeah. You know, As his just... nose grew and hit the wall. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Penna makes a good point there about like reaction. And there's, there's a feeling within the game that in normal course of a game of forty, if a bad decision goes against you, you know, sometimes players will lose their heads for a bit afterwards. Yeah. But with the VAR one, it's a slightly different reaction you get off players in terms of like being the frustration. Of, of it, like you saw on Saturday, being even more, and you're more likely to have a more exaggerated, like, sort of negative reaction by the VAR decision than a normal sort of one during the course of a game. Um, and it's happened with several teams this season. 
you've had the VAR decision against him. You've, you've sort of, I wouldn't say gone to pieces, but I've really like sort of the the the, the spirit has disappeared. I think Spurs, Leicester was one of them, yeah. uh, that comes to mind, and that's wrong. That's wrong. I mean, I I, I felt that though the players, yeah, lack of fight after they went two all and stuff, but. They're not the only teams who act like that this season after VAR decision's gone against them. I would have expected a bit more from them, but I think I think the sort of circumstances, you know, conspired against them a little bit on Saturday. You know, which I and I felt a little bit a bit of sympathy for them for that for that reason. I think I think it was sympathy for Silver in terms of that. Everton fans n- never like making excuses, and 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 none of us want want any excuses and. The, the the position in the table cannot be excused, and it's. I don't even think it's it's disappointing anymore. I think it's it's embarrassing to be have ten points from ten games. But at the same time, you know, when we were kind of driving back on on Saturday evening, talk sport, we're kind of do, doing the phone, and, and they were they were asking Everton fans to ring up, you know, and, and saying, you know, do you want silver gone? And really, kind of trying to inspire, uh, you know, the, the the presenter was really kind of baiting people to kind of say something, kind of, yeah. you know, yeah. a bit outraged or something. But everyone that day. I think there was three separate people who rang up, all kind of said, well, you know, he picked the team I wanted them to pick. You know, he didn't change yeah. it. He went with the same style. They played well. They deserved to win that game. And he got done because of it. And that, and that ultimately... Yeah, it, Silver it, wasn't really the agenda on Saturday. I no, thought it was, it was, it was definitely the officiating. The the I think, like, you know, Silver is a, is, is a likeable kind of character. And regardless of, of what you think about him, if he, if he does end up losing his job at some point this season, you know, the unfortunate kind of thing with like Jabaman and and now Bernard and and this this VAR thing it's it, it's not right is it and just couldn't it could not have happened at a worse moment at a, f, f, in the game but it also couldn't have happened at a at a worse time for Silver because you really are now yeah. we keep pushing it back and pushing it back and saying oh this is a key week now oh this is a crucial week for a big couple of games coming up but I, I do generally think now these three games to get into a cup quarter final Spurs at home who are struggling away. Southampton, the next home game after getting spanked nine nil. Yeah, you you have yeah. to get points on the board and you have to get into that quarter final because the the excuses will ultimately run dry at the end of that period. Um, we hadn't been great, had we? Um, to no. be fair, over the ninety minutes, we'd be done enough. I'm, I think I'm like saying at two all, there only two shots on target because it'd been the free kick and penalty, something like that. I think we'd had six, um, which says a lot about the, the sort of partner play in the game. And I was thinking two one thought we've got this got this one here, we've done enough. I mean not brilliant, but the, the conditions played a part as well. Yeah. I think on yeah, yeah, Saturday yeah. didn't look great, did it? Um and I thought we'd done enough and it was just a just a dreadful passage of events that and then, and I, I get VAR wise brought in, but if that's what it's gonna do to the game and I don't don't it's never gonna happen, but I don't want it, you know what I mean? After every goal, now you you wait nine minutes and you to see whether you can celebrate or not. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm very I mean, initially somebody that was very you know sort of enthusiastic about it. You know, it's, it's disillusioning me very very quickly. Yeah. But equally, I think we have to try because uh, it's here's a stay. You know, it's not going to be suddenly shelved or yeah. you know so sort of put on ice. Yeah. So we've got to change. Uh, you know, we've got to. You know, I know you talk about you know sort of squads of players being affected by VAR decisions, but we've got to. Stop being affected by them. Yeah. You listen to the other showers captain talking yesterday after they beating Tottenham, and they said, you know, so what was the difference? And um, Jordan Henderson said, mentality. Managers worked so hard on our mentality, and uh, you know, when we go a goal down yeah. in ninety seconds, you know, so we do react differently to how we used to react. And Everton have got to start doing that. They've got to start reacting better. You know, okay, two two. You know, it's not the worst result in the world. You know, it, it was a 
being robbed of a deserved victory, but equally 2-2 two -two is okay. But, you know, to be chasing the game in the 94th minute and to be caught horribly out of position, you know, yeah. things have got to change. Mentality has got to change. And, you know, that, that's the next big challenge for Marco Silva. I'm not going to say that, you know, his, his job is massively under threat because we, we don't think it is at the moment. But, you know, that can change very, very quickly, obviously, if results go badly in the next two or three weeks. But that's a big challenge for him. You know, he's got the squad changed. He's got, you know, individuals changed. He's got to change the players' mentality because yeah. we're not looking resilient I, enough. I was listening to one of the, uh, being a bit of a taste of one of the Nationals podcasts last week, you know. Oh, uh, Gavin, you know. leave this room immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I thought, you know, uh, yeah, just, but, but they, had, they were talking about the, what's the talking about there, the Everton squad. And the question was asked, <clears throat> could you trust the current Everton squad in a crisis on wow. the pitch, and yeah. the answer was collectively from four people there, no. Mm. And I think that that's really worrying. And uh, we saw evidence of that on Saturday, even though there was sort of mitigating circumstances. Yeah. We've seen that throughout the season, and that has to change. It's I don't, I don't know how you do it in the short term, but that has to change. Very similar now to kind of. I'm not saying that Silver's going to go the same way that Cumin did, but it, it's similar to that Cumin season where they almost look. Scared to lose, scared to go for you know they're just kind of caught in limbo at the moment. They're on such a bad run, you know. If we, if, especially and when we're not at Goodison, they just kind of there is just they're just missing that little kind of spark. You know, I even thought in midfield on the weekend, like Andre Gomez was just almost a little bit invisible, and and, and Sigurdsson, you know, I know he didn't ask to be a forty-five million pound player, but. He was on the pitch for an hour, and I can't remember. What you know, you know what it reminds me of, and I hate to say this because you know the two managers are far from comparable. A Mike Walker team now. Marco Silva is a much, much, much more gifted coach than Mike Walker ever was. Yeah, yeah. But his squad of players is as nice as that Mike Walker yeah, yeah, squad. Yeah. Yeah. And if you remember, he tried to construct a team that was capable of playing this beautiful, flowing football, but it was so soft-centred, it was appalling. And Joe Royal came in and identified it straight away, saw Andy Hinchcliffe and Joe Parkinson and John Eberle in the reserves and thought, what are you doing in the reserves? You know, you should be stealing up this midfield. And he just made them horrible, you know, so hard to beat, dogs of war. And, you know, suddenly, you know, not only retrieved, you know, a relegated team, but actually won the FA Cup by just changing, you know, the mentality and the character of the squad. And that's got to change because I don't see enough fight in that squad at the moment. I mean, the winning goal, I mean, Andre Gomez, who I love as a footballer, seems to be tugging a buddy caravan, you know, yeah. so behind him as he's yeah. trying to chase back. You know, absolutely, you know, so break your neck to get into that position and block that cross from coming in. Yeah. And he didn't do that. And too many players in that squad, are, you know, are doing that. So you've got to give absolutely everything, which is why I felt for Lucas Dean, Luca Dean, because he was giving absolutely everything. And yeah. for him to suffer the way he did, you know, oh, so in totally the last minute was, was heartbreaking. Well, I think it brings up an interesting point, doesn't it? Because what we were all talking about going into this game was Marco Silva's team selection. Now, yeah. he played the team that everybody wanted to see, barring the enforced change of Yeri Mina being out and Holgate coming in. That was the team that had performed so well, should have beat West Ham comfortably 5 or 6 0. Uh, but they, was, they, they just looked so different. I, mean, I know, Sam, you're saying that Everton didn't really play badly, didn't, de didn't deserve to get beat by Brighton, but it was so different. It was, like, it was almost the polar opposite than what we'd seen at West Ham. Like, what, was, what had changed? I think that's been the, the big ticket question now for, for even when, when David Moyes was manager. There's a definite change to Everton. When they go away from home, but I think it ultimately comes down to what we've just been saying. There is there is no one audible in that team. There's no one saying, you know, sort this out, lad. What what are we playing at? You know, I think Delft maybe could be a yeah. little bit like that. But 
came on quite later, Brighton and, and you know still kind of searching for full full fitness. I think. Um, so you know you you do just look at some of the players and, and it's it's difficult to kind of point the finger at people and and, and name names and stuff. But you know like. Michael Keane for a centre back sometimes he just doesn't look like he he truly wants to yeah. to be aggressive and and go and win balls and and get in people's faces and you know kind of I- inspire people and there's no there is just a, a, a total lack of a of a spine seemingly at the moment and you know a, a, another big miss has been you know I know Adrissa wasn't like a, a horrible footballer but you know he was just constantly round and, and and nicking balls back and you know we've lost that this year and and we're suffering from that so it's just so difficult to put your finger on it, but the mentality away from home for, for a club the size of Everton who, who want to challenge for, you know, or have got the, the, the aims that this team has and has had so much money pumped into it, it's just, it's just disgraceful. And you think about the, the people who kind of go to every away match, you know, and, and pay the, the hard-earned money and some of the the absolutely appalling performances they've had to they've had to watch this year, it's just disgusting. And, and, and sometimes, as Preno's saying... Yeah, and again, you know, they don't ask to be paid this this amount of money, but you know, you've got midfielders there on fifty plus thousand pounds a week who can't even sprint back in the last minute of a game to to try and stop a goal, and you know that, that that's nothing to do with physical fitness at the end of the day. That's down to mentality and being able to put that last little sprint in. Well, did you see the? Uh, there was there was a great piece, and you know. We're going to give another plug to a national newspaper here, which we shouldn't really do. But Paul Joyce used to work here, so we'll forget (laughs) him. He used to work for the Evertonian. But after the West Ham game, um, uh, he produced a statistically led piece um, comparing Everton's running stats at Burnley uh, compared to their running stats against West Ham. Um, you know, every metric that you looked at, you know, whether it was sprints, whether it was distance covered, whether it was presses, you know, remarkably better against West Ham than they had been at Burnley. And that's why Everton beat West Ham 2-0. OK, West Ham were poor, but also why they got beat 1-0 at Burnley, because they tried harder, because they put more into it. Now, I don't know what the stats were for the weekend, you know, so I've not analysed them. But it just looks like a fairly basic thing to suggest that, you know, they're not trying as hard, you know, so away from home as they are at Goodison when they've got 40-odd thousand people, you know, cheering them up. set up differently away from home. Sometimes I don't think comparing the way performance for home performance is, is like because you set up differently and the opposition are different as well, yeah. aren't they? Um, in terms of the way they set up. I mean, one of the differences on, on Saturday compared to the other Saturday is Brighton, Brighton on the day play better than West Ham. Pure on the base that you don't think you'd see a worse Premier League <laughs> performance than West Ham yeah. this season, to be fair. Um, I thought that one of the problems on Saturday was was when, you know, if you forget, Bernard went off, didn't he, after what? 10 15 minutes, yeah. He's brought Sigurdsson on, and we I can't remember, but Sigurdsson on, who was out the team against West Ham, and we we had more pace as a consequence. And then he brought Sigurdsson on, who, as we know from like his first season, not the best playing wide anyway. And there was an argument to say, we said like Moise Keane has been more effective, like on the flanks. A lot of people on social media were calling for Keane to come on, and he, he to me, on a more like, but like. Replacement might have been a better replacement yeah. than Bernard because I, I say more about like for like, and two he would have kept the pace in the team. Yeah, and um, that was the mistake that was made on uh, Saturday for me, mm. and one of the reasons why it was different to the West Ham game because for like a large period we we had Gilfie playing an unfamiliar role and slowing the the pace of the team down, and that, and that didn't help. Mm. So, well, we'll speak about Bernard. He's Suffered a medial ligament injury, unfortunately. Uh, no time scale yet on a on a return date for him that he's going to be assessed later in the week. But 
Sam, how, how big of a miss is he going to be? You know, he was he was crucial to that West Ham win, wasn't he? Yeah, and, and I think it's it's a bit disappointing for him because obviously he's been, you know, he probably came into this season as a as a regular starter and, and it hasn't quite shaped up to to be that way. But he, you know, he did obviously have a, a big role in that West Ham win. So to to go off after half an hour and and you you did you just knew straight away. You know, it was a fairly innocuous slip, but he, he was instantly calling to the bench for a change. So. You know, disappointing. He played his part in the in the equaliser as well when he, you know, made that run and and Pickford to be fair found him with a with a good pass. But hard hard at the moment because now you're kind of looking at it and you know I'm probably assuming he'll he'll move Richarlison out wide, maybe Calvert Lewin up front for for Watford tomorrow after another goal for Calvert Lewin. Then you know probably if if, if that is the change, then then Sigurdsson does have to be a a worried man at the moment because you know the the way he's playing just kind of isn't fitting with kind of any any style or that that the silver's trying to implement and, and he does genuinely seem to be slowing the game down a little bit and, and not really just being able to find that little bit of magic he had last season and obviously he scored a, a brilliant goal against West Ham but it's been in, in, in short supply and I just don't think I think the problem with our attacking outlets at the moment is that you know apart from the Charles who, who I do think is a is a top top player that too many of them have a good game every five or six. You know, you saw Walcott seemingly back to his best against West Ham and then, you know, done next to nothing at, at Brighton and the, the, there's a real lack of kind of movement and just, they don't really seem in sync a lot of the time. You know, you, it's horrible to say, but when you watch Liverpool, you, you generally know that that front three, they're constantly moving and interchanging and they know each other's game inside out and they're, they're a threat every time they go forward. Everton for quite a long time now have just been... Too easy to defend against. I can't really remember a time when we were, you know, scoring like at will really since maybe the the back end of Cummins' first season when we had a, a striker like Romelu Lukaku. So, you know, it it needs addressing urgently because on top of kind of not winning games, we're you know, we're not really scoring many goals either this season. So, yeah, lo- losing Bernard now it will will hand a chance mm. to somebody. And I know you kind of wrote about it earlier, Adam, but. It'd be interesting to see if he, he might even kind of plump for Anthony Gordon on, on, on the bench against Watford in, in the Carabao Cup. You know, he's been shining for the under 23 years, but you know, I think when he spoke to Phil early in the season, he did also kind of hint that it's not exactly the best time to be blooding mm. a youngster mm. when the no. the chips are down the way they are at the moment. So, yeah, I think team, sele- team selection tomorrow with the injury, Bernard's going to be interesting and, and, and maybe hint towards what the plan is going to be now for, for these next couple of key matches well, one other thing on Saturday we not mentioned was Jordan Pickford um, I was very uh, coming yeah, to that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> great minds yeah. great minds yeah. um, for all yeah I thought he had a really good start to the season didn't he Jordan mm. um, first four or five games yeah. but in the last sort of three or four games he's reverted to the sort of more ne- negative aspect of last season where he's a bit jumpy bit edgy um, and he was a fault, I think, for the first goal. As was Richarlison. He was not exactly the best um, best man in the world, yeah. uh, you know, for that free kick. Um, and he also, there was a couple of occasions, but there was one other free kick, was it? He punched straight out, um, got lucky. And his performance on, on Saturday, and has been for a couple of weeks now, was was, uh, was below par for the England number one keeper. And that that's a bit worrying. Uh, it's a mentality me. issue again, I think, with Pickford. Wonderful shot stopper. Got no issues with him at all about that. Mm. It's just, 
you know, is game management, if you like. I know the Newcastle game last season is one that everybody highlights. But there have been a couple of incidents like that. I mean, Tottenham at home last season where he came ahead and out of his goal, you know, unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like when the team is playing badly and, you know, so when the team is struggling, he tries a bit too hard. You know, he's trying to do too much to get involved. Yeah. And, you know, he's not as composed or as rational a figure as a goalkeeper ought to be. And that's where the mistakes creep in. That's that opening goal, I still don't know. I mean, it was an incredible strike. He caught it so well, but it went through his hands. And, you know, it was almost like he'd left that little gap in the wall because he knew he could cover that position. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. it went through him. And that one later on, you know, what was he doing? Punching it back straight out again. It was, it was almost like, you know, it, it, his head had gone again. And, you know, mentality, again, is a big issue. Uh, I like him as a goalkeeper. I mean, I thought that Tony Cascarino piece this morning, and it was bizarre when he talked about him. He will be leaving Goodison in the near future because he's, you know, basically had a bad season. And I think he listed uh, Joe Hart and Jack Butland and somebody else as, you know, having gone down the same route and he thinks he's going to go the same way, which is absolute nonsense. He's a very, very good goalkeeper. Uh, He's a potentially great goalkeeper in the making, just with a couple of little parts of his game that need ironing out. And, you know, mentality is certainly one of them. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast. I, I wrote about it in, in my analysis in terms of I think he's at the moment going through a real kind of Jekyll and Hyde time mm. of, you know, sometimes, you know, the way he started the season and the back end of last season, you know, looked every inch the kind of England international yeah. that he is. And I, I agree with you, Preno. There's no part of me that doesn't see, you know, a top quality goalkeeper who, who, you know, you forget has only actually played three seasons in the Premier League where he's made more than 20 appearances. Um, you forget kind of how young he is and how much he's already achieved, you know, to, to be like the, the, the kind of breakout star of a World Cup for England, you know, the, the penalty hero, and also be playing week in, week out for a big club with big ambitions like, like Everton. But, you know, you, you've, you've got, he's got to do better in the end, hasn't he? Because even stuff like, like Palm and the free kick out, it just doesn't inspire confidence no. in the defenders around you and, and the crowd as well. I think we've seen it towards the last couple of seasons of, of Tim Howard, didn't we? You know, the... There's a bit of a fractious relationship with, with <laughs> Tim and, and the uh, the lower Gladys Teeters, especially sometimes. But we struggled with balls into the box at that time because Howard did, for whatever reason, just stop coming out yeah. for balls. And it, you, you could tell that the defenders around him weren't confident. And I think, as you're saying, with Pickford at the moment, it just seems a little bit strange because you, you don't know what he's going to do from each moment. And it's hard, isn't it? You know, Because even in that game against Brighton, I think probably... He'll be disappointed himself with the opener, and then five minutes later, he he does an unbelievable ball, literally the length of the pitch to put in Bernard, and 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 plays his part in the in the equaliser, and then again towards the end, you you know he really that that really should have been the moment that cost us the game when he when he parried that free kick out. So, you know, I think I said it a few weeks ago, he just needs to kind of have a, a spell of a few months like he did last season. You know, I think around the time he got kind of videoed having that scrap in in Sunderland was probably the low point of, of his season at that point and then he just got his head down you know I think he kept it was only Man City who kept more clean sheets yeah. than him yeah. and you know all the talk around him went away and I think that's definitely what he needs now but he, he needs it over a longer period of time I, I do think if we keep talking about it and keep talking about it it becomes a bigger issue doesn't it and it's up to him now to kind of silence silence the issue mm. well let's talk about a slightly more positive note Dominic yes. Garvett-Lewin came Please. off the bench <laughs> and scored again Five goals in five games. Has he got to start tomorrow, Brennan? Um, 
it's, it's a weird one to want to cover, Lunas, because the one part of his game that we were desperate for him to improve was his goal scoring output. He's done that, and yet he can't get a start in place. Um, it's just overall quality. Richarlison, I, I like a lot as a number nine, and I think he, you know, so he plays well there. I think we have to pick the strongest team possible tomorrow night. Um, personally, yes, I would. I would play Calvert Lewin. I play Richarlison in a wider position, you know, where he's, he's equally as effective as he is as a number nine. Calvert Lewin deserves his opportunity to start. He took that goal really well. Fair play to Mason Holgate, by the way, as well. Wonderful yeah, bit of football ball. and a great yeah. ball through. Um, so, yeah, I think he's, you know, players in form. You know, the changes need to be kept to a minimum. I could accept Seamus Coleman coming back in, uh, but you know the rest of the defence. If Mean is fit, he's got to play. Um, you know the rest of the defence has got to be his first choice. You know, so likewise, you know, so midfield. Uh, but yeah, Calvert Lewin, I think, has earned this place. And he, you know, he's got a he scored against Watford previously, hasn't he? You know, sometimes players do prefer to play against particular particular clubs. Uh, but yeah, he certainly deserves to play ahead of Moyes Keane. Mm-hmm. Gav, in agreement? Yes. Um, you know, talking about well, you talking about like players like. Opposition loves the League Cup. Um, average in a goal every 41 minutes. Is that right? Ooh, Cup, that yeah. is a that's my That's my sole purpose of being on this podcast because <laughs> yeah, occasionally yeah, it might come up with this uh, a, a positive stat. That's a national media reference, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Now, yeah, seven goals in 288 minutes. I think, um, three starts and two sub appearances, scored two goals in the game three times. I think, um, and I think. You looked at the options at today. Mm-hmm. I think with Bernard missing that we, we spoke about Richarlison his best position ironically on yeah. Friday and that happens on a, on Saturday. I think it, it'll give an opportunity to Richarlison who's not scored for seven games, something like that. Well, Six, seven games after that one goal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Actually, yeah, that was harsh. I mean, so yeah. I was just thinking about the logic of playing a striker. He's not scored for seven and plays for a striker who scored five <laughs> in, in five. Yeah. Um, and I think, but as Penno said, Richarlison's all, ga- all around games better, isn't it? Uh, I'd say Richarlison left Calvert-Lewin up top on uh, on on Tuesday would be uh, my, my preferred option. Mm. And then, as you've said to me before, Sam, you know, Richarlison didn't play badly at all against Brighton. You know, he was lively again. I thought he played really well against West Ham as well. Like, it might be a shame to he sees himself as a striker, really, doesn't he? It might be be a shame to move him back out wide. But do you think it's necessary now, do you, like to accommodate Calvert Lewin almost? Yeah, probably. I think you, you you're gonna have to see him back out wide, and, and maybe even see Awobi back out wide as well. And, and I do think Awobi is really impressive in the ten. Yeah, Richardson. I thought again against as you said was good against Brighton. I do think he's a he's a big talent, and I think he could be a talisman for Everton, regardless of the position he plays and I, I do genuinely think he, he's the one you know I'd, I'd kind of build a, a team around if if I was Marco Silva and you know he, he does generally seem to to know how to get the best out of Richarlison so I don't know he, he can play right across the, the three can he and I don't think you know we'll, we'll see any less from him and uh, hopefully he can he can give them a hard time because you know he always kind of he just has a knack doesn't he you know he's, he's a strange one you don't really kind of see him as somebody I know the the ball ultimately took a deflection, but I even thought to just be in that position and 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 get the leap and put the pressure on the defender like like he did for that goal against Brighton was really good and yeah I, I really like him and, and I hope that maybe he gets a few more goals in the next few weeks because I think you know, it was a little bit slow slow at start of the season and, and maybe a few people were kind of wondering if he could have the same impact as he as he had last season but I think 
Richarlison, Awobi, Walcott, Calvert-Lewin, Keane, you know, whoever plays tomorrow, we've got more than enough to beat the team who are bottom of the Premier League and haven't won a game. And, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it, they absolutely must win and I think it'd be nice to see them win in style as well. Yeah, well, it's about Richarlison on Saturday. One bit of quality, you know, the far touchline where they, the ball was played in, so we sort of flicked it over the fella's head yeah, and yeah. ran in. And he let himself down. He should have played Theo in his, his, his pass was a couple of yards too short. And that's the quality he give, gives you. Um, I'm just concerned that, as I say, he's got a bit of a goal scorer in his house at the moment. Um, and there might be an opportunity to play in wide left and play DCL. We said on Friday, didn't we, when we were doing the preview podcast for the Brighton game, that at the moment Silver's got to pick teams, the right team for that particular game, hasn't he? He can't really afford experiments and sort of... But you can't do that in the Carabao Cup because you've no idea what level of you know, opposition you're going yeah, to be facing. We've yeah. been testing what team they yeah. put out tomorrow, but, but tomorrow he's got to basically put his yeah. best team out. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. um, he has to put his best team out and, and then look after... Look after the Tottenham game on on Sunday. Yeah, you know? In some respects, we're, we're reasonably fortunate. I'm mean, using my words carefully that, it, that it's Watford, and you know they are in a far worse position than Everton are, you know, Premier League wise. So their most important game of the week by a mile is the home game against Chelsea on Saturday night. Mm. So you know, hopefully they will make wholesale changes with that in mind. You know, rather than sending out you know sort of first team, but then equally there's always that Marco Silva factor, how they're desperate to get one back over on you know the manager who they feel you know <laughs> slighted them, and so you know will they pick a strong team? You know with that in mind we, we don't know bottom line is it's a team we've already beaten this season it's a team that we yeah. should you know be looking to actually you know sort of be I don't want to say comfortable against but you know I'm getting ahead of myself here but you know I'm looking at the work the, the league cup and you can see okay if Everson do get through 50-50 chance of playing a lower division team in the quarterfinals yeah. and you know how symbolic would a quarterfinal against Oxford United be yeah. you know so again <laughs> a manager under pressure you know in a league cup quarterfinal um, but that, that's getting way ahead of it bottom line is it's Watford at home and it's a game Everson should be winning regardless of the quality of the team that they put out um, you know, it, it's a massive match absolutely all, massive match are we all going to ap- apologise for Gav's amateur hour <laughs> <laughs> well, he tried my phone go off yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Tried, he tried to cover it up it was, it was Marco like. saying I'll be playing the Tower tomorrow tomorrow I mean we're, we're all talking about the like the need for Everton to play their best team and I think everyone listening to this podcast is going to agree that it needs to be full strength. Yeah. But what is Everton's full strength to like <laughs> are, you, are your minds changed at all after watching that Brighton game that like there may there maybe needs to be some changes totally. like, apart from apart from like the like like some mean and perhaps coming back in. Uh, you know, I, I listened to your pod on Friday and uh, agreed with the vast majority of us. I mean certainly sense and mid, you know, I wouldn't have changed Tom Davis or Andre Gomez because of the positivity that they bring to that role against a team that, you know, you can get at. Well, Fabian Delph is such a good player and makes such a difference, you know, in hindsight, you know, so maybe he'd have been a better option. The one thing I was, you know, I know it's a bit of a sticking point, Gilfie Sigurdsson, and I know I'm a fan, a lot of people, you know, think it would be a my character. I thought Iwobi wasn't as impressive against West Ham as, you know, so some people thought. He was okay, decent, you know, he played well, but, you know, it wasn't a standout. So many other players stood out in that game and, you know, certainly for 20 minutes he was a bit sloppy, then he grew into the game and, you know, sort of did okay. And I just like the quality that Sigurdsson brings. I totally accept that he does slow the game down and, you know, you lose that bit of pace. But just that little bit of ingenuity and the creativity. And it looked like he'd had a kick up the backside, you know, by being left on the bench. And you could tell, you know, even by his reaction to scoring that goal. And, you know, OK, he's had the kick up the backside, bring him back in and let's see the quality that, you know, so he brings. He would be in my first choice team. But the fact that we're debating it and the fact that no one knows, and we've all got different views on it, yeah. suggests yeah. that we don't know who our strongest team is because it changes week by week because no one's mm. consistency enough. Oh, that's weird. 
we've said everyone's got different views. What are, what are your thoughts? What would you would you make any significant changes? I, I think this said on Friday. I'm not sure whether the Davis Gomez partnership. It's not like a permanent midfield duo because you need somebody who'll just sit in in front of the defence. So that, to me, points to either playing Schneiderlin or, or Delph. I, that, that's what I would do. Um, and, um, and it's, it's picking. You maybe go with Delph because he's a bit of a better footballer, but Schneiderlin is, for all his faults, you know, probably our only two defensive midfielder. Um, so I, I, I would replace either Tom or Andre Gomez with either Schneiderlin or, or Delph, to be honest with you, tomorrow. Mm. I think it could be the perfect time to unleash the the four three three that Marco's kind of been threatening for a while. I think you know Sigurdsson would probably even himself say he, he's not in the the best of form, and I think it'd be interesting to kind of see uh, Delph, Gomez, and and Davies. I think the three of them could could maybe offer a few different things uh, alongside each other, and and then you know go for whatever kind of front three he, he feels is is right for the game. But you know I think tomorrow is is is. A difficult one, isn't it? Because maybe maybe it's not the time for experimentation when, you know, we are so close as Preno saying to a to a quarter final and a and a draw that you know depend on the result could 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 just be watch pretty... Man City and Wales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it could <laughs> I mean, they're not they're going to get beat by Southampton. Well, right, if you say so. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I think in the quarter final you'd rather get a, a decent team at home. Arsenal at home would be nice. And, and hope then. Well, then you hope then that a couple of lower league teams get each other and, yeah. and you could potentially have. You know, it was City last year. You had like Burton in the semi-finals, which you know Everton probably would still find a way to <laughs> to mess up. But yeah. you know that'd be better. But yeah, I, I'd probably be be tempted to go for a four-three-three tomorrow and, and change it up in midfield a little bit. But at the same time, I appreciate it is a massive game, and, and as Gav's saying, he might go for you know the the, the tried and trusted four-two-three-one, and, and Schneiderlin could come in, and, and and if Silver does just think right, let's let's just get the win, and, and hopefully that's what they do. Mm. I mean, it's going to be good to some par under the lights again. Do you think the atmosphere is going to be as good as we all think it should be? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a cup tie and, you know, football fans are resilient. You know, it's okay. They were gutted at the weekend. Uh, they've reduced the prices again. So, you know, I don't think it's a sellout yet, but I don't think it'd be far off, to be perfectly honest. You know, it's so close to kickoff time, which is good. I suppose a lot depends. It's that old chicken and egg thing, isn't it? Do the fans inspire the players or do the players inspire the fans? And if Everson start well, if we can make a 10 or 15 minute, you know, sort of decent go at it, yeah, the fans will get behind them. Because again, West Ham, I thought, you know, the, it, was a sl- it was a quiet start from the supporters. It eventually grew and eventually it was a decent atmosphere, but it needed the players to show to them first that they were at it before they actually got behind them. And I think the same you know, thing could be the case again tomorrow night. Everton have got to make a good start, a flying start. You know, produce those same kind of uh, metrics that they produced against West Ham and press and tackle and run as hard as possible. Fans see players, you know, so performance to their utmost, they'll get behind them. Do you think it maybe helps that it's Watford, Gav? Bit of yeah. a grudge match. Well, help. I think it helps Watford in terms of the team that they'll put out and the position they're in the Premier League. Uh, definitely. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see the boardroom. Uh, <laughs> to be fair, um, well, they don't bring any directors. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They didn't for the Premier League. Yeah, El- we have played the turn off. <laughs> There's what? Sorry, is Elton not going to turn off? That's a good point, actually. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I think. Yeah, maybe, but we've already played them once this season, haven't we, at Goodison, so maybe that sort of takes a little bit, bit of edge off it. But in some respects, we couldn't have asked for a more perfect draw, could we? We can't complain. 
really the draw. You know, we normally get Chelsea away at some point. Yeah. And, you know, um, at this stage of the competition, so we can't complain. It's within our gift. Um, and we've just got to make the most of the opportunity in the League Cup that we've not done in the Premier League when faced with a similar set of reasonably straightforward fixtures. Mm. And we've not done in the League Cup ever because it's our jinxed competition. Ah, well, that's, that's <laughs> separate pod in itself, you know, isn't it? Really, yeah. You could yeah. be here a long time so discussing got, got League Cup. Yeah, 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 Is yeah. that your next one? I think so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's plugging a book before he's even... Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we'll do customary... Predictions oh, before, I was we, you weren't gonna before do that. we wrap up. Tempting face. Right, well I'll start I'll start with Sam then. Uh what what do you reckon? Been been a couple of these with well there was a famous one a few years back. I'm gonna go for three two. Three two the blues. Really? Three wow. Two. Up the ticks, come on. <laughs> Gav. Um I'm gonna go with the straightforward. I think I think a three 0 win. I think they'll be a little bit of goodwill towards the players tomorrow. Mm. Because of what happened on uh, on Saturday, um, I may be blindly optimistic making that <laughs> statement, but I think there might be. And I think if they start well, I think the crowds will get behind them as Pano said, and I think uh, we we could end up winning quite comfortably. Uh, Dominic to get his normal two in the uh, the league <laughs> cup as well. You've pinched my prediction. I was going to go for three and on No absolute rationale whatsoever. Other than this, the last 16 and my first last 16 League Cup tie was against Coventry. Everton won 3 0, went all the way to Wembley and then blew it. Yeah. And then a third replay. But uh, no, I just think there'll be a reaction. Everton's performances haven't been as bad as the results would suggest. The excellence against West Ham controlled large portions of the Brighton game. Uh, you know, the, the performances have been okay. It's just that the results, you know, haven't been. And I just think a similar performance tomorrow night that we produced against West Ham, that we produced in parts on Saturday, should be too good for Watford. And yeah, I'd like to think that a couple of early goals, one later on, just to put the gloss on it, and we all go home happy. Oh, I'm glad that we're in, ending on a positive note. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going for 2 0. I think I'll I'm, take I'm, any I'm of hoping, those results. I'm, yeah. I'm just hoping it's not penalties. Anything but penalties will be absolutely fine by me. Sure. <laughs> All right, lads. Well, uh, thanks for joining me and thank you for listening yes. as well. Don't forget you can rate uh, and review us on iTunes, Spotify, and all your uh, all your podcast listening channels. Uh, you can join our Facebook group as well to get involved in the discussion as well. And uh, thank you for listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.